Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Good evening, dummies. Episode 182, Tuesday, July 6, 7.46 p.m. It is Monday. I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July. I hope everything went well. The lighting's a little bit different. Got it darker in the back, a little bit brighter in the front. We'll see how this works and see if I will stick with it. I hope everyone is doing well. I am feeling pretty damn good. Of course, when one problem goes away, another arises. My daughter's been having some struggles. We brought a friend out from Texas and... She's rebelling and it's it's difficult because, you know, when you see your kids are so well behaved and you go, okay, I'm going to make it through. When they hit 18, everything's going to be peachy. Well, of course, this is the way it works. I slept for the first four to five years of my life and basically no one ever saw me. In fact, people would come over and say, is Matt dead? Well, my mom always said the first four to five years were absolutely a cakewalk and you've been punishing me ever since. And I think my daughter's the same way, but she's a good kid. She'll find her way. I will say what my uncle did. She will find her her way. Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. Tonight's episode is full of interesting tidbits. What do we do here? Well, you will find that out. But first, let's talk about what we're going to talk about in episode 182. Baby, free me one more time. I don't know how to do the dance. Plus, sexualized Britney Spear. What everyone loved, pink little ponytails and bouncing small skirts at the age of 15 or 16 years old. Something was desperately wrong with it back at that time, and nobody said anything because, honestly, I don't know why. A little bit weird. I had a crush on her. I definitely had to question myself and wonder what the hell I was doing. But nobody actually asked the question, is it wrong? And honestly, it probably was. So we're going to talk about Britney Spears tonight. We're going to talk about this free Britney movement and what has been going on with it. No, I am not into celebrity gossip, but this one's really interesting. And a lot of the takes are usually free Britney and give her just carte blanche to do whatever she wants. I happen to disagree. I take a different take. If you do a search for it, everything is all about free Britney. And I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I usually am on most topics. But please, we're not going to be showing bouncy videos of Britney Spears in uh, her pre-adolescence or before she could drive a car. There's something terribly wrong with that, folks. And we all should be ashamed and we're all going to burn in hell for it. At least males are. Mad Max, welcome to Thunderdome. Mad Maxine Waters from California is back at it again, and she decided to go ahead and attack a few things that are interesting, exclusively the three-fifths rule when it comes to African-Americans. A lot of people go ahead and talk about the Constitution, and when they want to subject the Constitution to negativity, say, well, it thinks that you know black people are three-quarters of a person. Well, three-fifths of a person. Well, interesting enough, I'm going to talk about why that actually helped propel African-American rights to the forefront and actually made them people, whether it was a half or a quarter or three quarters really is, of course, a negative thing, but it's better than one number, which would be zero, which is what it was before. We're going to talk about that tonight. No, we're not going to show Britney Spears bouncing up and down doing baby one more time. I'm so, Listen, for the people who are waiting for that and saw the cover of the video, I've tried to tell you it's not going to happen. First of all, I don't make enough money to get the royalties. Second, folks, it's wrong. Hair conditioning is good. Air conditioning is bad. Of course, you want to 
rinse, lather, and repeat with shampoo and conditioner and leave it in for at least two to three minutes to have that rich, lustrous shine. Kind of like Britney Spears in Baby Hit Me One More Time. No, we're not showing the video. But air conditioning is the demise. Democrats, liberals, global alarmists for warming and the environment's going to kill us and the whole world is dead says air conditioning is now no longer a necessity and actually a luxury of comfort that the earth can no longer sustain we'll talk about that tonight but first the inventor of the air conditioner has died and thousands of fans are attending his funeral from an undisclosed location always honest always direct so sit back relax don't unfriend me starts right now well thank you for coming by don't unfriend me tonight it's wonderful to have you once again, what is Don't Unfriend Me? Well, first, let me tell you, my name is Matthew Spear. I am your host, and it is wonderful to have you here for episode 182. On Don't Unfriend Me, we talk about current events, politics, things like that, uh, maybe sometimes sports. Maybe we talk about Britney Spears. Baby, Okay, so we talk about all sorts of things, and we try to cover a lot. I bring a different take. Sometimes you may agree, you may disagree, you may love me, you hate my hate me, but it really doesn't matter. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me. Remember, it's just an opinion, folks. We all have them. They're like assholes. Everyone's got one, and sometimes they're smelly. Pretty much all the time they're smelly, but it doesn't matter. The point is, is that we all have opinions, and we deserve to go ahead and express them. You don't have to watch if this bothers you or you don't like it. You don't have to cancel. You don't have to unfriend me. Maybe come back tomorrow and see if it's something that you will like, and if you don't, well, that's okay. I won't take it personal. However, if you do enjoy the show, I would ask that you follow me on my social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Anchor, all that type of stuff. Stop on by, say hello, give me a follow, like, and share on YouTube. You'll see a little red envelope. You can click that and subscribe. If you're on Facebook, just jump on out of the video or whatever, hit like, hit follow. You do that, you'll be updated. The difference between following and liking, liking allows you to go ahead and find my page again. Following allows you to have updates when I go live, when I post new videos, and all of that other stuff. If all of that is not your cup of tea, you can go to don'tunfriendme.com. Don'tunfriendme.com has all my videos, my podcasts, my blog, everything else. Swing on by, say hello, drop a comment, and let's get started. Baby, free me one more time. Now, why am I going to talk about Britney Spears? Well, be- <laughs> There's a couple reasons. First is that my sister is a celebrity hound. As I feel about politics and the Constitution and gun rights and all that other stuff, an anti-socialist, my sister is a celebrity hound. She reads all of the tabloids. She keeps up on celebrity gossip. And usually her conversations with me start, oh, my God, Matthew, did you hear about A-list celebrity and what happened? And I'm like, no, and I don't fucking care. But in this case, this is an interesting story. There is a lot of law in here, and I'm very interested in the law. And I think human rights are extremely important, but privacy laws are also important. Britney Spears most assuredly was sexualized as a kid. She had to do things that normally no child should. She had to deal with topics that also no child should. She had a lot of issues. We'll go into those tonight. And personally, I think her father should be questioned about what he let his daughter go through. But there's a whole bunch of information that we need to go over. The second thing is, is that my name is Matthew Spear. I am not plural. There's not more than one of me. In fact, I 
have the last lineage of the spears. See, you can use it that way. That's okay. With my son, who is a male, my brother didn't have any boys. And that's it. My son is going to carry the name. So obviously when he's a little bit older, if there's any suitors out there, we'll be taking applications. But here's the thing. I was always Spears, singular. But then Britney fucking Spears came around. And now everyone says, hey, Matthew Spears. It drives me up the wall. First of all, it's S-P-E-E-R. You throw Britney, me, I'm related to Albert Speer, who was second lieutenant for Hitler, which isn't much better. But the point is, she ruined my name. But we all like her catchy song. She was the Katy Perry of the day, and everyone loved her. Christina Aguilera threw up to try to be like her, and ultimately Britney Spears had a few albums, and she was very, very popular and made a hell of a lot of money doing it. But then something happened. The wheels fell off the cart. Britney Spears told a U.S. judge that she had been drugged and forced to perform against her will and prevented from having any children. And she asked the court to end a conservatorship that has governed her life for the last 13 years. A conservatorship is that she's obviously very wealthy. But there are some things, some mitigating circumstances that we don't know anything about because of privacy laws in regards to her mental health. Whether it be schizophrenia or depression or bipolar disorder, whatever it is, she is a danger to other people or herself or both. And this creates a lot of drama with this. And this conservatorship was granted by California. I'll go into some of the details of how hard that is. She read out a prepared statement and she called specifically that the arrangement was abusive and she said she had been traumatized from it. Quote, I just want my life back, she said via phone in her 23-minute appearance. It was the first time the star had spoken publicly about the conservatorship, which began in 2008, when concerns of her mental health prompted by her father, Jamie Spears, to petition the court for legal authority over his daughter's life. Mr. Spears currently oversees the star's fortune alongside a professional wealth management firm. A licensed professional conservator temporarily took over Britney's personal care in 2019. She has since opposed her father's return to the role. <coughs> Excuse me. After hearing her remarks on Wednesday, Mr. Spears' lawyer issued a statement saying he is sorry to see his daughter suffering and in so much pain. Mr. Spears loves his daughter and he misses her very much. What's he supposed to say? Britney's court, she needs to blow more lunch and fit into a tighter skirt so we can make more money? I don't think so. Britney's court-appointed lawyer, Samuel D. Ingham, the third, I don't want to forget the third, what an ostentatious prick, also appeared to be taken aback by the star's statement, telling the court he was unaware of its contents before she spoke. He said he would step aside as her representative if asked. Here are the most notable allegations from Britney's testimony. The conservatorship has control over her reproductive health. Brittany, who's 39, has two teenage sons from her marriage to Kevin Federline, said she was being prevented from having more children. I want to be able to get married and have a baby, said the star. I was told right now in the conservatorship I'm not able to get married and have a baby. Now, there's a few reasons why she specifically addresses a conservatorship, which means that 
the bylaws or the rules that she agreed to with this conservatorship probably state that she was a harm to herself or others. Now, I'm speculating, but this is a very difficult thing to get into the state of California. We'll talk about it even more, especially in California, which plays loosey-goosey with the laws and always seems to go in favor of the clinically insane or the criminals. Now, I don't know if Brittany is that way, but if she is granted a conservatorship and someone has the power over her, especially because of her wealth, her wealth, her notoriety, and her overall stage on life, it has to be for serious reasons. And if you think that she is not allowed to have children or be married, it probably has to do with the state of her psychosis more than any punishment or type of secret cabal religion that's happening underneath the skin. The 39-year-old is currently in a relationship with her personal trainer, Sam Asgari. She told the court they could not start a family because of the conservatorship, which controls her medical care. It refuses to allow her to remove her birth control. Quote, I have an IUD inside of myself right now. Folks, not an IAD. That's completely different to the veterans out there. That would be dangerous. Can you imagine that section? Oh, God, I'm wondering if I'm in the right spot. Boom. All right, no jokes. IEDs are serious things. Uh, inside of myself right now so I don't get pregnant. But this so-called team won't let me go to the doctor to take it out because they don't want me to have children. So basically, this conservatorship is doing me way more harm than good. She had been forced to perform against her will. Is also another claim she made. Her management team threatened to sue her in 2018 if she didn't complete the 31-date Peace of Me tour, which included dates at London's uh, O2 Arena and Brighton Pride. Quote, my management said if I don't do this tour, I'll have to find an attorney, and by contract, my own management could sue me if I didn't follow through with a tour, she told the court. The language is very important there, follow through. Obviously, before she received the monies, she was told you would have to complete and follow through with the tour. Well, why? Because she has missed many, more than a dozen over the last 15 years, where she has promised to complete her tour and then disappeared and just walked away. Well, there are lawsuits that happen because of that. People want their money back. People sell out these shows in a blink of an eye. There's a bunch of 30 to 40 somethings who have watched her and they want to relive their tween years, well, they spend their hard-earned money outside of their BMW and yuppie house, and Britney doesn't show up. Well, that creates a lot of pissed-off people, and it costs the companies that put these things on millions of dollars, and they probably put a clause in there, finish it or get a lawyer. It makes sense. She says, it was very threatening and scary, and with the conservatorship, I couldn't even get my own attorney, so out of fear, I went ahead and I did the tour. Well, the reason why is because the attorneys on her team know intimately the details of her case. They understand the conservatorship. It's all closed. It's all essentially sealed like a like a, a full grand jury would be. Nobody knows what's in there. Only her and her lawyers. It wouldn't make sense for another lawyer to come by and also and come by and take her case or if she has psychosis that that lawyer would actually get the straight poop or the truth from Britney Spears who obviously wants free out of this but maybe not the best thing for her health. So all of these things you can explain away, or at least with supposition, because I don't know if this is fact. It's just something that I can look into and say, based upon her verbiage, she is saying things that actually make sense in the rule of law. She said her managers falsely told her therapist that she was failing to take her medications and refusing to participate in rehearsals. Why would they say that? When she objected to a piece of choreography, it was as if I planted a huge bomb somewhere. We're not going back to IEDs, okay? Once again, she added, 
Quote, ma'am, I'm not here to be anyone's slave. I say no to a dance move. She was made to take medication she did not want. Most people who suffer from psychosis, paranoia, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, all take medication they don't want and all rebel against the medication at one point or another because they may get better, but the side effects also can create depression, weight gain, retaining water, a lack of performance in the bedroom, things to that effect. So most people who go through some sort of treatment rebel at the treatment at some point or another or think that they're better. And that's the problem. And that's why you don't change doctors or horses midstream. You continue with the same therapy if it's working. The star said she had no control over her health care, alleging that doctors put her on lithium, a mood-stabilizing drug, after she canceled her Las Vegas, Vegas residency in late 2018. She says, lithium is a very, very strong and completely different medication compared to what I was used to, she told the court. You can go mentally impaired if you take too much, if you stay on it longer than five months. After beginning the medication, Brittany said she felt drunk and couldn't even have a conversation with my mom or dad, really about anything. She said six different nurses were sent to her house to monitor her condition, and they wouldn't let me get in my car to go anywhere for a month. Brittany also expressed anger that her family had not intervened, saying they did not do a goddamn thing, pardon the blasphemy. She is being exploited for money. On several occasions, Brittany drew attention to the fact she was making money for other people while being refused access to her own fortune, estimated to be $60 million. Court documents revealed by the New York Times earlier in the week showed the star was given an allowance of $2,000 per week, while her father's salary as conservator was about $16,000 per month, plus money for office space rental and a percentage of various deals signed for his daughter. I shouldn't be in a conservatorship if I can work and provide money for other people, Brittany told the court. Nothing that she had worked, uh, nothing that she had, quotations, worked since I was 17 years old, the star added. It makes no sense whatsoever for the state of California to sit back and literally watch me with their own two eyes, make a living for so many people and pay so many people, taking trucks and buses on the road with me and be told I'm not good enough. I don't think anyone's telling her she's not good enough. There's a very big difference between performing on stage and getting up there and essentially being a puppet or being told what to sing and what to say and what to dance, which essentially most of these stars do. They don't decide this stuff for themselves. They have choreographers and they have people who put on the show. Anyone, I mean, Keith Richards can perform for Christ's sakes, and he did more heroin, kill a small horse. You can get up there and perform. Axl Rose is proof of that. Mike Ness from Social Distortion was whacked out of his mind for most of his greatest albums, and so was Hendrix. But it doesn't talk about the actual state of mind like Kurt Cobain, who was suicidal, obviously, and even if you believe the conspiracy theory that he did not kill himself. The point I'm trying to make is getting up on stage does not necessarily mean that you are of sound body and mind to control your personal life. This is the problem, and she equates this to everyone's her enemy, the attorneys, the conservatorship, her family, the state of California, even her fans. She says, but I'm great at what I do, and I allow these people to control what I do, and it's enough. It makes no sense at all. Her father does not have her best interests at heart, she claims. Brittany said that at one point her father had forced her to go to rehab at a cost of $60,000 and seemed not to care about the distress it caused her. Well, rehab is not supposed to be a fluff in the park. It is a traumatic experience. It is a breakdown to build up experience. The first two weeks are by far the hardest, but that also is when you are disillusioned. You are having withdrawals. You are having 
nightmares. You are having pain that is incomprehensible to normal people of what it feels like not to be able to escape your own body. Your legs twitch and constantly violently itch and scratch and are numb and then hypersensitive all at the same time. You have sweats, you have cold chills, you're too hot, you vomit, you lose a considerable amount of weight, you can't eat, then you're hungry, then you can't sleep, then you're exhausted. It is a horrible, horrendous, and torture-filled experience. Of course, it's distressful. Of course, it puts her under trauma. Rehab is not a great thing. Once you get out of the cloud, once you get out of that fog, it starts to get better. The control he had over someone as powerful as me, listen to the, the, the delusions of grandeur, as powerful as she is, she's not powerful at all. In fact, she really hasn't been anything in the last 15 years. He loved the control to hurt his own daughter 100,000% over exaggeration. He loved it, she said. I cried on the phone for an hour and he loved every minute of it. She added that her father works me so hard and claimed to be threatened to punish her if she didn't follow his orders. Her team is exposing pop, uh, also her team is exposing her to paparazzi, Brittany said. Her acting conservator, Jody Montgomery, has put her in therapy twice a week in a location where photographers can follow her. Well, let's be completely honest. Photographers can follow her anywhere. That is the life of being a celebrity. And it's certainly not her psychiatrist or an attorney or a handler doing that. It's that that photographers are a bunch of scumbags. But notice how it says, you put me in therapy for two weeks. Why are you going to therapy twice a week? This is the signs of somebody who is a paranoid schizophrenic. They don't understand what's in front of them. They blame everyone else. There's a level of paranoia here, and she cannot comprehend or understand why therapy and medication and around-the-clock care is necessary. But the state of California obviously does. Quote, she said, yesterday paparazzi showed me coming out of the place literally crying, she said. It's embarrassing. It's demoralizing. I deserve privacy, she continued, saying she would prefer to continue therapy at home. I actually do know I need a little therapy, she told the judge with a laugh. She feels muzzled, muzzled and wants her story made public. At the start of the hearing, a lawyer for the conservatorship raised concerns about Brittany's testimony being public, but she disagreed. Quote, I feel like it should be an open court hearing and they should listen and hear what I have to say, she said. But on the other hand, she just asked for privacy, yet she wants to go ahead and share her deepest, darkest secrets, most intimate details of her life with the world. Doesn't that sound like a contradiction? The star expressed anger that her family can give interviews to anyone they want about her situation while she is unable to speak to the press. Once again, it, it, it's conjecture. Her family has to represent her because of the conservatorship, and they have to go through her family. It's one of the stipulations that are just one of the basic things of the conservatorship, even though we haven't seen the details. That is just something that kind of comes with the standard car. She says, I can't say one thing. I have a right to use my voice, she said. I've lied and told the whole world I'm okay and I'm happy, she continued. I thought that if I said that enough, maybe I might become happy because I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I'm traumatized. You know, fake it till you make it. But now I'm telling you the truth, okay? I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm so angry. It's insane. And I'm depressed. I cry every day. Well, there should be some signs there. Brittany added that she felt compelled to address the judge in this case, Brenda Penny, for a second time, having previously raised her concerns in a closed-door hearing in 2019. I don't think I was hurt on any level when I came to the court the last time, she said. She wants the conservatorship to end. 
Some of Brittany's demands were relatively simple. She wants to get her nails done, visit friends who live eight minutes away, and be driven in her boyfriend's car. But her main goal was to end the conservatorship without her having to be evaluated. I've done a lot of research, ma'am, and there's a lot of judges who do end conservatorships for people without them having to be evaluated all the time, she said. I shouldn't be in a conservatorship if I can work, she added. I truly believe this conservatorship is abusive. I don't feel like I can live a full life. I deserve to have a life. So what's the response been? The star said she deserved a two to three year break to simply do what I want to do. Brittany's father's statement said he was sorry to see her suffering, and a lawyer for Jody Montgomery said in an email that her client had an obligation to uphold Ms. Spears' medical and other privacy rights. We look forward to addressing all of Ms. Spears' concerns and setting forth her medical team's perspective on them in a care plan that we will file with the court, they added. Conservatorships are extremely important because, once again, they are only issued when somebody is going to hurt someone else or themselves. Nobody has access to this information. No tabloid or newspaper. But a 5150 hold is a mental health danger to self or others. It is a very serious process in California and extremely difficult to obtain. I know a little bit about this. We tried to go ahead and assign it to my mother at one point. It is almost impossible. And if anybody has any wherewithal or they're extremely convincing or have narcissistic behaviors or able to articulate and communicate in a fashion that makes them seem like they are coherent or lucid, California will not budge. But also taking children away from a mother in California is by far one of the hardest things to do, nearly impossible. Let's face it, Britney Spears was sexualized at an early age but she has no custody to her child. In fact, the courts only gave her a 70-30 relationship with Kevin Federine, who was also pretty much a large douchebag. To take the children away from the mother, there was a reason. There was cause. State of California wouldn't do that. She was disappearing. She shaved her head. We saw that. All the performances she missed, and then the media drove her overboard in the same. We remember that. The LPS conservatorship makes a guardian or custodian of her everyday finances, where she goes, what she eats, diet supplements, all of these things are controlled. It's only for people with extreme OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, bipolar, schizophrenia. And these adults are placed into a conservatorship, honestly, is extreme rarity even more. Now you have the rarity of the kids being taken away. You have the rarity that she is an adult with extreme wealth, all of these things play into the fact that we're not seeing something extremely important in this case. The Free Britney movement drove her to madness to begin with. These are the people, these are the attention that they got from these fans. But now these people are able to make psychological decisions for her, or even though they drove her over the edge. Britney has not even filed the necessary paperwork for denying the conservatorship. And that's one thing the judge said, and that the state has said. This is a mental illness. It does not create a credible narrator of their own story. She is the problem. Her brain is the problem. And the story that she's telling is the problem. And this is what I've tried to tell people who are addicted to drugs or have depression. I was one of them. And the one thing I always told myself is it was everyone else. Everyone else was rude and mean and wanted me to stop taking the medication. They didn't understand my pain. I was the problem. My brain was the problem. Folks, this is why you can't take her comments as credible. We can feel sympathy. Actually, empathy would be a better word for it. 
But ultimately, the people around her all cannot want to destroy her or have her finances. The state monitors her monies. Of course, this is being watched. That's one of the things with a conservatorship. That's why there's an allowance given out of her overall value. Her bills, her rent, anything that she has to spend out of pocket is presented to the courts, and that's why they get a stipend each month. She has a living allowance. Her father takes care of most of the bills, and therefore, a certain amount of money is going to them. And that's all There's no millions changing hand. There's nothing Machiavellian going on. The conservatorship has control over her reproductive health. As we know, she had been forced to perform against her will. She was made to take medication she did not want. She is being exploited for money. Her father does not want to have her best interests at heart. Her team is exposing her to the paparazzi. She feels muzzled and wants to have her story made public. She wants the conservatorship to end. All of these things are a litany and a list that go against what the actual timeline is. In 1998, Britney Spears' 16 catapults to the top of the global pop charts with her debut single, Hit Me One More Time. More than 20 years later, her debut album at the same name remains the best-selling album by a teenage solo artist. She had personal struggles that burst into public view in 2007. She was hounded by the press amid a tumultuous custody dispute with ex-husband Kevin Federline allegations that she is unfit mother, and questions about her mental health. Spears' father became her conservator in 2008 after stints in the hospital and rehab. Spears' father, Jamie, petitions a Los Angeles court to place his daughter under a temporary conservatorship. He is charged with making decisions about her career, finances, as well as her estate and affairs. This conservatorship is extended indefinitely later the last year, which means that there was no progress, that the signs of getting better were not there. She was resisting her medication. She was not following through what she said she would do. She was showing fits of whatever disease she has. Las Vegas residency in 2013, despite being unable to handle her own affairs, Spears continues to work. After rehabilitating her image with a successful seventh studio album and several appearances on television, she begins a four-year concept residency in Las Vegas. Tussling over the conservatorship in 19 and 20, Spears says she is taking a break from work because of her father's health issues. Later in the year, Jamie Spears steps away as her conservator temporarily, citing his poor health. Britney Spears indicates through her lawyers that she no longer wants her father to be involved in handling her career. A lawyer says Spears is afraid of her father and will not return to the stage as long as he retains control. Then the Framing Britney Spears film premieres on February 21, which is what this whole big fiasco has launched off. A New York Times documentary about the pop star's rise and fall, as well as about her treatment by the media, generates mass public interest in her conservatorship, but most like most of these documentaries, only have half the story, and it's based on supposition, and are entirely on Britney's side, which is the piece highlights the hashtag free Britney movement. The legends of Spears fans who have stood by beside the pop star and attempted to decode her public appearance also calls for help. Here's what it comes down to. I don't know Britney Spears. I don't know her situation. I can only tell you the signs that I see based upon the knowledge that I have. She could be 100% lucid and I could be wrong. I am just telling you that is a lot of people to be under this Machiavellian scheme to keep Britney Spears down. The only person who I feel is keeping Britney down is Britney. And that is unfortunate and tragic and something that shouldn't have happened to a girl at 14, 16, 25, or 39. It's a shame, but honestly, probably for her own good. Mad Maxine Waters, welcome to Thunderdome. 
Of course, Representative Maxine Waters, one of my favorite in California. You got goddamn in a restaurant. You get in that fight. You kid them. Oh, that woman drives me up the fucking wall. Commemorated the 4th of July by questioning the concept of American equality. Citing the existence of slavery when the U.S. was established in 1776, as well as current issues such as voting laws, the Supreme Court, and the deaths of black people during police encounters. Oh, my God, I'm going to destroy this woman. Far from celebrating the U.S. waters, uh, the U.S. waters posted in a Twitter thread on Sunday that the founding fathers did not have black people in mind when they created the country. It's absolutely not true. The quote of the Declaration of Independence says, all men are created equal. Equal to what, she says. What men? Only white men, Waters tweeted Sunday. Isn't it something that they wrote this in 1776 when African Americans were enslaved? They weren't thinking about us, but we're thinking about, but we're thinking about us now. Waters continued referencing the Declaration of Independence and the assertion. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The California Democrat implied that while the Declaration of Independence says that this is self-evident, recent events indicate otherwise. Waters listed voter suppression laws in 17 states, possibly a reference to a report by the Brennan Center for Justice that 17 states passed laws that restrict the ability to vote, which it doesn't restrict the ability to vote. And I I forget, I'm not going to go into it. I went through it a hundred times. She's full of shit as a Christmas goose. I'll prove it in a second. Most of these deal with the absentee ballot security measures, voter ID, or updating voter registers. Waters also listed the names of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Michael Brown, Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice, who all died following or during police encounters, which is true. Probably the only thing true that she said. The Congresswoman also said that the Supreme Court gutted Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, a reference to the court's decision in Shelby County versus Holder. Waters was not the only Democrat to reference racial issues on social media over the holiday weekend. Representative Cory Bush, go figure, tweeted on Sunday that when people talk about American freedom, it is only for white people. It's amazing. A lot of white people died for freedom, but whatever. Bush went on to say that the land is stolen and that black people still aren't free. You know what's interesting? I had a gentleman, a bloke, a Sheila, a bloke, a hopping kangaroo, come on from Australia and tell me, hey, man, America's a piece of shit. You guys wiped out the net of Americans and the white man stole their land. And I said, that's interesting coming from people who absolutely did the same thing to the aborigines. Do you have a quote on the matter? He blocked me. Of course he did. One of the most misunderstood uh, clauses in the United States Constitution happens to be found in Article 1, Section 2. I'm going to give you the quote right now. Representatives shall be appointed among the states by adding to the whole number of free persons, three-fifths of all other persons, known as the three-fifths compromise. It raises an obvious question. How could the founding fathers who endorsed the idea that all men are created equal also endorse the idea that some men aren't? In 2013, James Wagner, he's the president of Emory University, answered the question this way. The three-fifths compromise was an example of difficult but necessary political bargaining. Without it, Wagner argued, the northern and southern states would never have agreed to form a single union. No three-fifths compromise, no United States of America, period. Many people, including 31 members of his own faculty, vehemently disagreed. Wagner, the faculty member suggested, was excusing the inexcusable. They signed an open letter stating that the three-fifths compromise was an insult to the descendants of slaves 
an example of racial denigration. So who's right, who's wrong? Well, I think you know what side I'm going to come down. Let's look at the text again. Representatives shall be apportioned among the states by adding to the whole number of free persons, three-fifths of all other persons. Note that the Constitution does not say that a slave is not a person. It explicitly says that they are persons. And it also does not say that a slave is three-fifths of a person. And this is something that people mistakenly believe today. The three-fifths description had nothing to do with the human worth of an individual slave, but everything to do with how many representatives each state would have in the U.S. Congress. For that purpose, states could only claim three-fifths of their slave population. That three-fifths compromise was devised by those who not only opposed slavery, not by those who were for slavery, or to put it another way, it wasn't the racists of the South who wanted to count slave populations less than white populations. It was the abolitionists of the North. The framers of the Constitution were deeply divided on the issue of slavery. The free states of the North wanted to abolish it. They wanted to strike it out. The slave states of the South wanted to expand it. Their entire economy was based on it. You might say that the southern slave states wanted to have it both ways. They wanted to count their slaves for the purpose of representation, Democrats. But they didn't want to give any representation to their slaves at all. But why does this matter? Well, because it happens in inner cities today. Once a Democrat, always a Democrat. But without taking a stab, let's look at the numbers. In the 1790 census, just three years after the Constitution was ratified, the free states of New Hampshire... Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware had a population of about 1.8 million free whites. The slave states of Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia had about 1.1 million free whites and 633,000 slaves. Add those two numbers and you get nearly equal populations between the North and the South. By the time the civil, of the Civil War, the slave population had grown to 4 million. Imagine how much more powerful slave states would have been without the Three-Fifths Compromise. If 100% of the slave population had been counted, slavery may very well have lasted into the 20th century. But seriously doubt it, considering that the slave population was growing larger than the white, and it was just a matter of time before pitchforks and scythes were raised and the white man got their fucking asses kicked, which also should have and could have happened. Why, you might ask, didn't the North simply insist that the South not count slaves at all? Because the slave states would never have agreed to join the Union then. They would have formed their own country, and we would have had two nations, one free and one laced in slavery, living side by side in conflict from the very start. The Three-Fifths Compromise was the solution to the most difficult challenge the framers faced, how to create a single country out of people so divided on the fundamental issue. As discordant as the compromise sounds to modern ears, without it, there would have been no United States. Following his defense of the compromise, Emory, President James Wagner, issued an apology to his outraged critics, asking forgiveness for his clumsiness and insensitivity. As it turns out, Wagner had nothing to fucking apologize for because it's the truth. The Three-Fifths Compromise didn't deny the humanity of blacks. It affirmed it. Now, it sounds horrible, like most things written. Have you ever read the Bible? There are a lot of things in it that are horribly worded and can be misconstrued. 
But the point is, is that the compromise was just that, a compromise. Both sides got what they needed in order to come together. Unfortunately, the time that it took over 100 years for that to come to fruition and actually see certain rights be enumerated and brought to African Americans is still a fight today, and we are still arguing about it today. The Civil War we learn nothing about. We are still fighting the same war over the same reasons, but we have documents and laws now that specifically protect African Americans and all minorities. The question is, are we still fighting the same battle, or is this completely a different enemy, an ideological one that doesn't make much sense? I think it's the latter. Hair conditioning is good. Air conditioning is bad. Liberals now want you to give up your air conditioning for the environment. In other words, if you want to save the planet, go wait in line to sit in a fountain under a shade tree, fucker. No word on if Time Magazine plans on ceasing the use of AC at their offices anytime soon, which take up as much energy as a small town. You may, may think this sounds a little crazy, but it's par for the course for environmental extremists or liberals. Believe it or not, there are people on the left that seriously want to get rid of air conditioning, planes, gas-powered cars, and even cows. These people are not on the fringes everywhere. They are in the mainstream of the Democratic Party. Some of them are even in Congress. However, the public has zero interest in doing any of these batshit crazy things, and even most liberals aren't going to willingly go along with it. Virtue signaling about the environment costs nothing, but as we have seen over and over again, even liberals aren't willing to dramatically change their lifestyle over global warming. Hot damn! In a week that's seen temperatures around the country reach into the 90s and above, staying inside has seemed like the natural thing to do. But of course, the chilly indoor summer climate is anything but natural. An artificial of oasis of cool brought to you by your friend, the air conditioner. We often think of air conditioners as just that, a machine that conditions, i.e. cools the air around us. But the effects of air conditioners reach far beyond atmospherics to the ways we build our houses, where in the country we live and how we spend our time. Air conditioners are the enablers of modern American life. Before air conditioning, in a bygone and surely less comfortable era, people employed all sorts of strategies for keeping cool in the heat. Houses were designed with airflow in mind, more windows, higher ceilings, a style once prevalent in the American South. The dog trot house was really two smaller cabins, one for cooking and the other for living, connected under one roof with an open air corridor between them. In addition, many homes had porches where families could spend a hot day and also sleeping porches with beds where they could ride out a hot night. Many home designs took passive solar design principles into account, even if they didn't name them as such. Besides housing design, people had other tricks, taking naps during the heat of the day, carrying handheld fans around, and of course, swimming. My grandmother told me she used to pay a bus fare and sit on the open upper deck for hours riding around the city in San Francisco on a double-decker bus where they actually had one that resembled like uh, from England. The first machine resembling a modern-day air conditioner was built in 1902 by an inventor named Willis Carrier in an attempt to prevent paper from wrinkling in the heat and humidity at the Sackett Wilhelms Lithographing and Publishing Company in Brooklyn. Soon, industrial buildings and hospitals began adopting the technology. 
The first person to air condition his private home was Charles Gates. He just sounds rich. Son of industrialist and prolific gambler John Gates, who set up a cumbersome system at his house in Minneapolis in 1914. Minneapolis seems like an odd place for the first home air conditioner, but hey, if you've got the cash, who's to stop you in the 1920s? Just wait three months and it will be negative 65. The 1920s innovations made air conditioning units smaller and safer. Older versions had used a toxic coolant. During the Depression, few places could afford to install the systems, but one venue saw returns on such investments, movie theaters. The air conditioning theaters became an attraction in itself, and people flocked to them. Not coincidentally, what many consider Hollywood's golden age began the same time. It was during the post-war period that air conditioning arrived en masse in American homes, with more than 1 million units sold in 1953. The machines were heavily promoted by two key industries. Air conditioning served the needs of home builders eager to build huge numbers of cheap houses and utilities were only too happy to keep ramping up electrical sales to the uh, begrudging suburbs. AC for cars became a status symbol too, so much so that some people without it supposedly drove around with their windows up in 100 degree heat to give an impression otherwise. The suburban American dream was built on the sweat of air conditioners. Many of the central changes in our society since World War II have not been possible where air conditioning not keep, were not keeping our homes and workplaces cool. Florida, Southern California, Texas, Arizona, Georgia, and New Mexico all experienced above-average growth during the latter half of the 20th century. Hard to imagine without air conditioning. In fact, the Sunbelt share of the nation's populations exploded from 28% in 1950 to 40% in 2000. And hubs of business and technology in hot regions of the globe, such as Dubai, may never have taken off. Computers throw off a lot of heat, too. The development of the entire IT industry might not have happened without cooling technologies, first pioneered by air conditioning. The advent of air conditioning has shaped our homes and family life as well. Houses are designed not for ventilation, but for central cooling system. Porches where they exist are relics of another age, and few new homes include them. Families gather in the comfort of a 72-degree living room to watch TV. Would television have gained its central place in American family life were the rooms from which we watch it not so enjoyably cool? As Americans think about reducing their energy consumption, many are considering keeping the air conditioners off. But air conditioners haven't merely chilled the air around us. They've reshaped our infrastructure, our entertainment, and our habits. So go right ahead and turn off your AC, but there's no switch to roll back the systems it's propelled. There is also no evidence that man-made global warming is the problem and the death of all of us in the near future. We all agree global warming is happening. We all understand that Freon was toxic and dangerous to put into the environment. We have learned the lessons. But the question is, is how about the amount of flights that we have? 3,000 planes up in the air at any given time on any hour of the day. Do we truly need to have half-filled flights? Can people wait an extra day or two to get to where they want to go to ensure that we can maximize density? Well, of course not. People don't want that to happen. What about subway trains that are only a quarter of the way full because they refuse to do it like Japan where they pack them in no matter the comfortability level or not? What about cruise ships that put more freaking CO2 in the air than just about a half of a city's cars? Folks, there are complete oxymorons. There are hypocrites everywhere. Global warming is most assuredly real. But the outs of degrees that we are increasing year over year 
the water levels are not rising. Beachfront property is still beachfront property. And sooner rather than later, the poles will melt. That's what happens. And hence, another ice age will happen. It's cyclical. We can't control it. Can we slow it down? Sure. By how much? Nobody can seem to agree. But the point is, is that I am on this earth for a very short period of time. Right now, I'm sitting under two lights. I've got 20 lights behind me. And trust me, without my air conditioner, I would be sweating through my shirt. It would be 130 degrees and it would be a sauna. And we could actually make love in this room and grow orchids. I have no desire to do that in 98 degree with almost 50%, 60% humidity in Virginia. Air conditioning is here to stay at this house. They can come and take my air conditioning when they come and take my guns from my cold, dead hands. Well, they might be a little warmer than longer if they take my air conditioner. Folks, that's all I've got tonight. Thank you for 182. I appreciate it. I hope it was a fun show. You learned a little bit about Britney Spears. One more time. And now it's over. If you went and looked up Britney Spears on Google and watched that video, you need mental help. You're old. Look at the gray in the beard. Stop it. Have a wonderful night. By the way, speaking of wonderful nights, it was a wonderful 4th of July. I hope you had a wonderful time. Everyone was safe. There was a horrible accident where a stray mortar firework hit a goalie for the Columbus Blue Jackets in the chest. I don't have his name. I did see him play, and it is unfortunate. He succumbed to his impact and did die at the tender age, I believe, of 24 tragic folks the veteran crisis hotline is 1-800-273-8255 press one please 22 veterans commit suicide a day it's way too many you can reach out to the veteran crisis hotline if that veteran won't talk please reach out to me i will make a phone call see what i can do to help sometimes veterans have an easier time talking to veterans and if all that doesn't work you can go to donutfriendly.com click on the vcl link and you'll be connected to an operator immediately through skype or through your phone and computer. If you are a civilian and you are not a veteran, it's okay. They will not turn you away. They will find the right people to help you. Just reach out and VCL will make sure you're taken care of. Folks, thanks again for being here. I will be back tomorrow night with another new show. Should be on around 930 or so. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, and I will see you next time. Oh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Have a great night.